0: Tank, how has your week been, mate? I can see uh, lots of bags have been hidden in the background there. Is that planning for Disneyland tomorrow?
1: <laughs> I think the missus went to Primark and I think she bought nearly every item of Disney what's available for Frankie. <laughs> uh, and now my eldest daughter's jumped on the trip now as well. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. So they're kind of like... It's not really... I'm not comfortable with stuff like this. I think i um, Is
0: this your they- travel anxiety kicking in? Airport dad again?
1: I can't stand that, I'm already sweating over that, but I just can't stand, I've got a feeling that Sharon, Millie and Frankie, or Sharon's going to turn them into like the Disney equivalent of full kit wankers. Oh really? With the like, coming back with
0: the ears on and everything.
1: No mate, not even coming back, going, they've got hoodies to go, they've got pink hoodies. Please tell me you've got a matching one. You've got, see this? This is probably what I'm going, and mate, no, I'm not. I can't do it. I, we spoke about our football kits to the weekend. I was like, I don't, you know, I, I used to wear them, obviously, but I don't wear them. And like, this is like a real problem for me. I won't be walking with them
0: you, at it's, any it's, stage. You, what's your role then? Because I know when we go on a lot of trips, or I, I'll actually tell you, one of the things I hate is fairground rides. So whenever the, we go to fairground rides, I'm happy to hold the bags and take the photos. Are you going to be the photo taker for this no. particular trip?
1: no uh it's good that millie's coming now because like we both like the rides and now sharon's got frankie to the kiddie bit so it's it's worked out well but i can't go on rides with millie with mini mouch hoodies and tops on it's like you're 21 in october love
0: I, you know what, I'm going to be paying close attention to your Instagram because yeah. I've got a funny feeling you're going to come back with photos of you and these hoodies, mate. No, <laughs> that's a
1: guarantee. No, we no.
0: give it the big, we give it the big, and yeah, yeah I'm never wearing we one drum. of them, and then all of a sudden you're there with your mini Mouse ears on. Unless and Frankie
1: says put that on, Dad.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to, admit, mate. I, uh, I text you over the weekend. I played footy on Saturday, and I hadn't played for a few weeks. Oh, my God, mate, the aches and pains that I'm yeah. unexpe- Like, getting up the stairs there to come and do this. Genuinely, I was like having to hold on to the bannister. <laughs> I've got pains in my groin. I've got a dead leg that I can't. And, and then, you know, when you get the – we were playing on um, the 3G stuff. So, I got a burn. I went in for a slide tackle. Oh, so, I've got no. a burn on one leg, a dead leg in the other, and my groin has seized up. So, I'm, I don't know which is hurting more. <laughs> i like, waddling up the stairs.
1: It's ridiculous. It's tough, mate. It's tough, is it! No, it's not an easy game. This age thing.
0: No, it's not. It's not. Um, and for those uh, that have been asking, Jimmy, unfortunately, he's back from holiday tomorrow, so he couldn't make this podcast. But he's been uh, He's been updating us. He's very excited to come back and jump on again. He'll have lots of stats, a lovely tan, and lots of arguments for tan for uh, for for Tank from next week. So yeah. we're looking forward, looking forward to, to Jimmy it. coming back. Yeah. Um, so Tank, one thing before we dive into the weekend's football because people that have just started following us or maybe followed us for a while have now got very accustomed to and enjoy your tanks facts. Mm. Where did they come from, mate? People always, it's like, where does he literally come up with these things from? And they are all facts. Let's get oh, that right. Don't Google them. Yeah. Don't
1: Google. <laughs> well, to be honest, Jamie, i will tell you, but I'd have to kill you. I was one of them, is it? It's it's like yeah, it's a secret of what will come to the grave. With me. <laughs> but I did enjoy the other one the other day about that. Um,
0: how do you track it?
1: The the quick fox jumps over the lazy dog, yeah, and it uses. It. I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal fact.
0: It's a good one, but my we were laughing in our WhatsApp group because the best part about it was at the end of the video where you're like, I'm cutting the grass.
1: <laughs> No idea where I come from. I watched our Jackson. He was like, Why did you say that? You're weirdo. I went, I don't know. Yeah, he's like you're just a weirdo. I went on, oh, yeah, I am some. <laughs> just
0: absolutely made up to be cutting yeah, the grass. I was cutting the grass, <laughs> <laughs> right? Football this weekend. there's yes. uh, there's, there's been loads of uh, brilliant action. I have to say, I'm, I'm really enjoying the start of the Premier League season. I think it's been brilliant, and um, I know you have certainly felt the same about your beloved Forest. And um, I think you sent out a video on the social channels last week in reply to one of our listeners, Mark Bentley, who had asked you around Forest signings and um, you wound up a few fans off the back of that video, which was lovely to see and had lots of Forest fans agreeing with you. So one place for us to start, I guess, is how did you feel after that game in terms of is it a good point, you know, once the dust has settled or is it a little bit disappointing for Forest to come away without uh, without the three points?
1: It's difficult not to feel disappointed when you, you're one nil up Um in that, that late stage of the game, it, it is. And, you know, I watched the, I only had the chance to sit down properly and watch the highlights of the, of the game. And I felt the last 30 minutes, Forrest were really, really pushing. And, you know, do you have any chances? The boy Yates come on, who's not started this season. I think he's been out injured. He's a homegrown kid. I, I'm a big fan of him. He's a big, powerful presence in midfield for Forrest. Mm. Uh, and I, I think a lot of Forest fans will admit that he sometimes t- he's sometimes the easy target for flack in previous seasons. And every time I watch him, I'm like, why? You know, he is what he is. He he'll fight to, to the death for you. He's never shied away from the ball. He throws his foot in. He gets on the end of things. And I thought when he come on against Everton, I mean, it was his shot what uh, Pickford saved, and uh, Brennan Johnson slotted in, and you're like, and then he had another chance late on where he. You know, we blazed one over, and I just thought people are going on about forest signings, and they didn't half make a difference to two lads when you come on. You got him and the, the boy who signed from Wolves. I mean, he's alive live-wire. This this, like, this boy's alive live-wire. He will cause problems in the Premier League. He's quick. He's direct. He runs at players. He, he backs himself a lot. You can see he it. Does, he does. Yeah. He does. And, you know, I'll tell you as a defender, one thing you don't like is a is a little fucker who keeps getting the ball and keeps running at you. And oh, no matter no. how many times you challenge, he'll keep coming at you. And he, he's going to cause problems, uh, this kid, for, for a lot of defences, but... As as a long term thing, it's a good point. It's a point away from home at Goodison Park, which, you know, tends to be a difficult place to go. Um and I just I, I really think that Forrest, when they start
0: gelling, I think I think they're gonna be decent at him. <laughs> It's funny when you when you look at it because I suppose as an outsider looking in and, and I've said to you obviously since doing this podcast and I don't know how much um you, you're fond of your time at, at the club and 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 have a good relationship with the fans. I've developed a bit of a soft spot for them, which I did definitely didn't see see coming, but as an outsider looking in you know, I, I look at Forest, and, and I actually have looked at Fulham as well, to be honest, and I've been really yeah. impressed with the adjustments. And usually you see it with the newly promoted sides. They come up and you go, right, cannon fodder, straight back down. They're just not equipped to, to make that adjustment. But I'm looking at Forrest and Fulham. I have to say, both clubs seem to have made adjustments. Forrest have spent big, fair play to them if they've got the money. We're always saying teams should be brave. They have been, the, for me, the the definition of brave, not only in how they're trying to play, Steve Cooper hasn't playing offensive football. I think if Jesse Lingard had more uh, attacking third passes than any player on the pitch, you know, he's trying to, to, to play in the right way. You're making changes that are looking to positively impact the game. If you look at Fulham, they're having a proper go. They're not just aggressive. They've got a style of play, and um, they've they've got offensive players that are looking to always play forward. I think you know, you know, first couple of games into the season, they should both be really proud of themselves. I think that's the key thing. I think if you look at the Premier League how start it started
1: in general, I think clubs now it's kind of like you know Brighton go to Manchester United and you know they're like we're going to take the game to you. You look at Newcastle yesterday. Newcastle just for me started you were like. City scored early. I get that, but it never changed Newcastle's mindset. It was like, no, we're going at you. Yeah. And the thing about I was speaking to a, a mate of mine. yesterday to use a Liverpool fan, and we were talking about like the likes of your Forest and your Fulham's. And Fulham blew me away against Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool were very fortunate to come away with a punt yeah. And you can't like the mindset seems to have changed. With and I'm not calling them smaller clubs, but you know these clubs who were coming up or you you know the lesser big names in the Premier League that are actually. They're going to the big boys now and going, look, we're going to go at you. Leeds yesterday, I thought Leeds were absolutely outstanding. They've yeah. gone to Chelsea men's. we're going to swamp you. And we, you know, you have got a belief that their quality will get through. So, and the other thing on Fulham, which I didn't really realise, I was actually, I think Jimmy's rubbing off a little bit too much on me, to be fair. You've I'm been looking, looking at the, stats? Yeah, because I had a look at Mitrovic. East. Mitrovic scored three Premier League goals last time, Fulham were in the Premier League. But you know, we barely started many games. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, well, you know, he's, he got you promoted, scored all these goals, and then, you you know, you give him a couple of games, and like, right, he's not scored, I'm taking him out the side, and he was like, but now... Play to you your strengths.
0: Why not just play well, to your strengths? You yeah. know
1: what you're going to get with Mitrovic. He's a big unit. He'll bully centre. He bullied Virgil van Dijk. who's meant to be the best in the world, by the way. Yeah. He's a big unit. You play to his strengths, he'll score goals. He's already matched his, his goal-scoring feet from the last Premier League visit, you know, mm. this season. He's got three and three. And I just, you know, it's like Forrest, Forrest went to to Goodison Park and we're like we're going after you this is we're how going- we play this is how yeah. we play you need to adapt to how we play look these clubs are going to get they're going to get you know two, three, four niladins They will. it will happen along the way it's just the Premier League's that that type of league but
0: you've got to give these credits how, how they're playing these teams now yeah, Another another team that are talking of getting credit, uh, and I know you were a little bit outspoken, not like you, mate, on uh, on social <laughs> social media, um, is Arsenal. Arsenal have been getting a lot of praise. Uh, they're obviously sitting top of the tree, three from three. Uh, where do you sit on this? Because I have to say, I have been impressed with them. I think they do seem a different side. I think they're the acquisition. I think the signings that they've made have been absolutely brilliant. Uh, look, I, I'm coming fresh off just finishing All or Nothing, the documentary last night. Yeah. So I I have to say, I, I actually am really impressed with Mikel Arteta. I can see what he's trying to do, connect the club, connect the fan base, brought in, I would say, trying to get rid of that kind of soft arsenal underbelly. And yeah. they do seem to be able to manage games. They've got a little bit of quality about them going forward. But you've kind of come out and maybe think it's maybe a little bit over the top, some of the praise, and, and could more, be more down to the opposition that they've been playing against.
1: Yeah, um, look, they've bought, well, they have. I do like what Michael Arteta, we spoke about this podcast when he... Michael made, Arteta, I just have to say, it's mate. no, it's fine. Mikel, got, you, you reminded
0: yeah. me, somebody was saying, I think you'd got... um I think you would got a name wrong in the video that you'd done. You'd sent it out and um
1: Merv and Marv. Was it? Marv
0: and Merv, and then there was, I think you called him Gibson instead of Gibbs. Yeah. And I was like, anybody standard, that listens to this, yeah, yeah, anybody that listens to this podcast, one of the best things about it is Tank gets every name every wrong. Name. He's, he's been calling me John for the last three
1: years. So yeah. I've only just realized that my eldest lad's not called Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nightmare with names, so you know, you but you're used to it now, so yeah. yeah. So what we spoke about previously in the podcast was Arteta come in and we, even when they were getting a couple of items and they weren't getting the results, you knew what he was trying to do. He had, he had a philosophy how he wanted to play and he stuck to it. And we were kind of comparing the way Solskjaer. We were like, well, he's got no, you know, there's no identity to what he's trying to do. He's been allowed to get the right players. And they've, they've spent heavily, part of it. They've spent big, big money, which is fine. It's great. And I'm not saying that they're not improved dramatically because they are, but I'm not, prepared the City and say the, the this, that and the other so far. I mean, I've heard some quotes saying uh, it was Man City-like when they went to Palace and, you know, eh, sorry, Bournemouth. I think it was Jamie O'Hara was listening on TalkSport. He was like, you know, you've got to your say problem, this, right there. This is, this is as close as to Man City as you're going to get. Hang on a minute, you know, just take a back step and let's look who they played. They played Crystal Palace. Um, and Palace could have got something from that game, by the way, who had five or six players out of the side at the time, who couldn't go away in pre season because of the uh covert stuff and the traveling, so they never started the strongest what the team will come to uh, to Anfield. They played Leicester City, um, uh, who was the club is just for uh, it, Leicester's it's worrying times at the minute for Leicester, you know, okay. what's going on there behind the scenes. You're hearing little whispers that they have to sit massive cells to appease the chairman, supposedly, and then. For me, they've just been possibly the worst team that's ever been in the Premier League. I mean, it's a shocking bomb. side. sad. No disrespect to them. You know, you look at Fulham. Fulham spent, got a couple of players and spent well and stuck to theirs, you know, philosophy. Forrest have spent a fortune. And I just think Fulham have come up and just said, yeah, we're, we're just going to... And They're not, they're not that side. They're not great. It's an easy... For me, Fulham's an easy place to go. So, although Arsenal the top of the league, they've done well. They've, let's see how they get on Chelsea away, Man City away... You know your Tottenham's, let's see how they get on against them before we start screaming from the root tops out setters the next Messiah.
0: What well, one thing I have to say on, on Arsenal is Gabriel Jesus and I, I put out a tweet yeah. uh over the weekend and I didn't know if I was alone in this. Like he obviously he's a, a great player, he's playing at Manchester City. You don't get to play for Manchester City if you if you're not a great player. Yeah. I have been so surprised by just how good he is at Arsenal. And the question I've got for you is. He seemed quite a different Jesus when he was playing for Manchester City. And there is this underlying narrative sometimes, I guess, that... Pep, and you're probably going to see it with Grealish, I think, over the course of this season, will take a really talented player. And yeah, don't get me wrong, he'll, he'll make them them better in, in some parts of the game. But he nearly takes away a little bit of their freedom. And was Gabriel Jesus at Manchester City a player within a system who had a very specific role? And now what you're seeing at Arsenal is his true self. He's a number nine. And I have to be honest, Tank, his, link, uh, his ability to link the play... Um, his touch, his technical ability, uh, his movements, his calmness in front of God. Like, he seems one of the most complete number nines in the Premier League today. And I don't think I'd seen that version of Jesus before.
1: No, and you've, I think you've offered the nail on the head and, you know, who are we to question Pep Guardiola? But there, yeah. has, been a, the few, there has been a few ex-players, you know, high-profile ex-players who have actually come out and just said that Pep kind of takes the player out of the player. Yeah, if you know what I mean, and look, he gets—he's he, he, one of the best in the world to ever do it. So you can't sit and criticize. But what you've just said about Jesus, it's kind of like he's the shackles, at City, off. yeah. At City, he was that wide player. I don't think he was ever trusted to be that number nine. He was yeah. that wide player, and he had a role, and his role was specific to what Pep Guardiola was telling him. This is your role. Don't go outside that role. I watch him now for Arsenal, and I'm in the I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I've been shocked how good he is with his back to goal. And yeah. you know, with the coming up, and you've got big area, centered offs, and he's like popping it, spinning it, linking up play, getting him behind them. Like, this could be one of the best signings of the season. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Nunes, uh, Haaland. I think he, he could score more goals he could, because yeah. he just looks, I mean. He looks a world class player. Like he was good at City, don't get me wrong, but this looks a different player to me. This looks a player who's actually. And another thing, what's big for me, Jamie, as well, is he's, he's the main man. Yeah. And as a player, I've been there, you know, where, you know, I was the main man of Forest, you know, for a period. And then I went to Leicester and you can't have another player and you're like, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. Your ego doesn't feel as great. He's gone there and Arteta, they probably built him up and said, you're the boy. You make things happen in the final third. Don't matter what you do, just make it happen. And that, as a player of his talent, is must be like a fucking godsend.
0: Yeah, just just go be you. And it was weird when you yeah. said that, But it's interesting when you said there about the, the City thing, because he was, he was often put out wide. And then I think they went through a period of playing a false nine and you'd see people like Foden being occupied yeah. there. I think Grealish has done the job. And yeah. Jesus must be sat there looking at this going, hold on, what's yeah. wrong with me and it's That's you me. know it it's one of them you look you're looking at this and and i think you you're dead right what was it best part 40 45 million in and around that for for, for jesus yeah. you could you could arguably play double that based on yeah. how he's starting the season and i think one thing for arsenal i think you make a good point we we'll get a, a better pulse check as to where they're at when they play some of the bigger boys <clears throat> but what one thing that these first few games have told me is Arsenal can and have the ability to be flat track bullies to the rest of the Premier League and Jesus will get you an absolute bag full when, yeah. uh, when they do that and supposedly now Arsenal are still not done in the transfer business, they're looking at getting Neto in from Wolves which I, I look I have to say, he's always been a live wire I thought <laughs> Liverpool were after him for a while and, and I'd, I'd certainly have been happy with that sign and Arsenal are another club that, that aren't backing down in the transfer market they're going, they're going big
1: Yeah, I <sighs>
0: I just find that a strange one with
1: Wolves. I mean, why would Wolves let it... He, he's a he's a good player then. Why would you let him go? It's like, you know, Wolves are trying to build. Mm. So why why would you let him go? I mean, I like him as a player. You know, we was linked with Liverpool and he's he's quick direct and he's a danger. So I'm like, why, why are Wolves letting him go? But he'd be a good sign for Arsenal if he goes there again. He'd be another one, you know.
0: I have to say, though, mate... I- I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of transfers that's gone on this summer that has made me lose all perspective of what's going on. Like, it was only only yeah. last week that Chelsea are meant to be after Harry Maguire. And I'm just like, what, yeah. are, what are clubs doing? Like, I, I agree with you. Wolves should be building teams around the likes yeah. of, a, of a Neto, not letting him go to Arsenal. Then I, I was surprised that City let... Jesus and uh, Zinchenko, go to Arsenal. I think they're both very good players and they've showed it. So it seems a very strange world of transfers going on at the moment. (laughs) It has to be said. Um, When you look forward, I suppose, to maybe some of the other games that have happened over the weekend and and the big one that stood out for me, we're talking about the quality of the games and, and opposition having a go at some of the bigger teams. There was none... More of a better example than that than Newcastle versus City yesterday. What a game of football that was. It seems to have absolutely everything.
1: It's a great game. And it just I just think it's a bit similar to like Liverpool with City is like because they play such a high line and they, they you know they use the whole pitch in possession, is when there's a quick turnover, that's when City and Liverpool are at the most vulnerable. Mm. And I just thought the way the outset set his team up yesterday with their What's his name? Can't think. Max.
0: Uh, go on, have a go. I know what his name is, but I want uh, you to have
1: a go. Max. Uh, Saint Max. Maximum or something, is it? Yeah. There you go. Saint Maximum, you, go. you got it. I thought it was that. <laughs> and just the way, just the way the, it's it's as if they're saying like we're going to take a little chance that we can defend and we're just going to pick you off. Yeah. And I thought City looked really vulnerable at times yesterday. I mean, really, you know, I've, I've not many people do that to Carl Walker. What he done to him yesterday? I mean, he was he's he's quick. He's direct. You know, I had a I was actually had an argument with our Jack over and Jack was like, he would be a great signer. And I was like, No, he wouldn't. I said, because the stats tell you that he's not a great signer. He's a handful and he's direct. And I just think that these teams are now going, Fuck you, Liverpool Man City. We're not gonna sit back and put eleven men behind the ball anymore. We're going to target
0: your weaknesses. Um, See, that was the. I'm so glad you said that because that was one thing that came away because you can nearly you can set your watch by it. I thought yesterday was going to be another one where it's nearly like Manchester City goal bingo. What they're going to score within the first ten minutes? It's that they're unbelievable at creating overloads. It's nearly like, and even my ten year old said it to me yesterday. It's like you you kind of feel you know when Manchester City are going to score (laughs) because you can see (laughs) the way they build and they've got three or four position, uh, three or four players uh, creating overloads in and around the box it's wide it's cut back it's tapped in you've seen it a hundred times over but it was just so refreshing yesterday to see because i've always said this and maybe i'm in the minority i think the best way to 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 get something from city if you have a go at them yeah does they'll give you chances yeah. and that was one thing especially with, with saint maximum yesterday i'd agree with you i, I think he, he seemed to have a lot more end product yesterday whereas sometimes yeah. he's just a bit he's just a bit a bit mad whereas You know, he was just, and I was shouting at the TV, I was like, just give it to St. Maximum, that City were petrified, Walker was petrified, he just kept driving at them and driving at them, and I suppose another thing, when you're looking at that tank, and as a defender, it'd be good to get your steer on it, how do you stop a player that's like that, you know, who's nearly got your card early on, and you're like, shit, I don't want him to get the ball here, you know, you think of some of the wingers that you've played against over the years, you, you, you spoke about when you were up against Ronaldo and you wanted to give him a whack early doors. Yeah. Well, how do you stop someone that just wants to run at you every single time he gets the ball? It's difficult because you, you know
1: early doors back. Then, you could leave one on them back then a lot more than what you can. All I would I will say is like the 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 referees are a little actually, bit better. So, yeah. yeah, so you could leave one on. You would early doors, and if you did come back and kept coming back like that, I mean, you know, in, you, you know, you're in for the game. One thing I will say about Kyle Walker, he looked really uncomfortable. You see, and I just think this is another where Pep's tweaking again. It's like these inverted fullbacks, what he has now, and it's like they're bringing them more in field. And if you're if you're St. maximum there, you'd be like that oh, fucking Ellis is amazing. Look at the space I got in front yeah, of me.
0: Chalk on my boots.
1: Yeah, the worst thing you can you can give someone like him is is space like that. I mean. Walker looked really, really uncomfortable trying to get the ball inside. Basically, on the right hand side of a midfield, he was playing inside. Mm-hmm. And you you're just thinking, look at the fucking space he's got there. Where if that was me personally, I'd have took it out of the manager's hands. I'm being honest with you, I'd have just gone, fuck you. I ain't coming inside there. I'm one on one with this fucking speed ball. Walker's no slouch, by the way. And yeah. you're just trying, you're just trying to win the foot race. That's all you're yeah. trying to do, try to win a foot race. But when he's coming inside, like it was just there, it was like you are kind of playing right into their hands here, especially
0: but this, with this, them. But is this not, again, it's probably the, the Trent Alexander-Arnold syndrome in that I've seen it with Liverpool now. He is a little, he's coming a lot more inside. Yeah. He certainly, he's certainly, he's high up the pitch. And as a fullback, like, it, it it makes me nervous knowing that, and you've seen it against Crystal Palace uh with Liverpool, with the, the, the sucker punch, the Zaha goal you will leave chances 1v1 against these pacey wingers. Is that just one of those things that these modern-day managers are like, look, I'll I'll take that risk. For what it gives us going forward, I'll take that risk. And more often than not, it probably pays off for them, let's be honest. It does. It pays off for them. But I
1: just think at the time being now, I mean, you look at how Palace, their goal come across. I mean, yeah, who should have done something about it. It was, it was weak as piss what he done. But it's kind of like they're just... Palace would have worked all week on sick and Sahar and I don't think that do. out ball. That out ball, yeah. yeah. And Zahar's is a very, very quick, direct, powerful player who's got a lot of skill as well. So if you if you say to Zahar, "We'll get you on that ball one v one high up in the in the Liverpool area," you know, half five times, we need you to make sure. So he, he'd be like, "Well, if I'm if I'm one v one five times, I will fucking I'll go do past so. them." at least yeah. once yeah. and I think that's that's the new mindset of these uh, so-called smaller lesser clubs they're like we've also got good players yeah. and we will actually isolate you I mean Maximum must have been thinking yesterday if it, you know car walkers inside there I'm one-on-one with, with John Stones you oh. know dream, dream on that's, yeah, just get me amazing. the ball get me the
0: ball and I'll do the rest yeah. It's another narrative that came out, I suppose, another player that stood out for me yesterday watching the match was Kieran Trippier. Um, and yeah. we were, we were texting uh, in and around his free kick. But aside from the free kick, I just think, I think he's an excellent player. I really do. I think he's, you're always going to be defensively solid if you've got a background that involved Diego Simeone and, and one of his sides. But also leadership qualities, uh, Dead ball situations, quality from wide areas. Do you know what I always think whenever I see Trippier? And I said it at a time when Manchester United were after Aaron Wambasaka. I don't know yeah. if you remember us having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, 1v1, wambasaka Wambasaka is, is a good defender. But Manchester United, for the majority of their games, have the ball. And they have to attack. They get the ball wide. They need quality in wide areas. And wambasaka doesn't have that. Whereas Kieran Trippier would have been perfect for Man yeah. United. I don't know why they didn't go for him. And it was another brilliant performance from the lad yesterday.
1: He's, he's, he's fucking brilliant, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> i done the clip of you. I sent it to the WhatsApp group and went, look at him He actually said to his mate, nah, uh, what what was he? he said? Uh, they fancy this. this. Uh, I fancy this. This is going in. And yeah. you're like, I was like, I said to our Jack, I went, he just said to his mate, this is going in. And then he done it. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> I mean, talk about belief in your ability. I mean, yeah, you yeah. could not have got that ball and threw it in any anywhere else. Yeah, it's it like, but as you say, it's not just a set plays. He's actually, which I didn't, I didn't think he was this two or three seasons ago. Must be honest, but he's, we didn't see him as much when he went to Atlético Madrid. But at Newcastle, he seems to be a lead and he's vocal yeah. and he's, he's kind of like he's coming of age there. Mm-hmm. But it's one of them that I think Jamie, what we have just spoke about with Jay, she's gone in and then he probably says, "Listen, you will be the boyer."
0: Yeah, you're, the main you're, man. My,
1: you're my voice on the pitch. You're my main man. You're the captain. I want you to lead this club from where we are to where we're going to go. And he's thriving. I thought he was absolutely outstanding yesterday in every department. He's defending, his, his delivery is obviously
0: his goal, but just he's just sheer quality. Yeah, he's class. He's class. But one thing that's, that's particularly related to Trippier was the yellow card, red card. Um, And I've got one of my Blues cousins. um, It stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest amongst Blues because there's the direct parallels or they're claiming there's direct parallels between what Trippier did and Alan did um, uh, in a past game where Alan was actually upgraded, I think, from a yellow card to a red card. And then Trippier had the reverse. So Blues are claiming inconsistencies. I'm I'm quite opinionated on this one, but I'll, I'll hold fire for a sec. I'd love to get your opinion on, A, what did you think of Trippier's tackle? Uh, in isolation, did you think it was a red? Did you think VAR was used correctly? And then how do you think it compares to, to the tackle from Alan?
1: No, it wasn't a red card. VAR got it perfect, to be honest, because you know, what I will give the referee the benefit of the doubt, it did look like he was high. And at, at first, I thought, "Oh, he's caught him on his knee there. But then when you slow it down with the v- uh, the VAR, it, it wasn't, he's actually gone. He's not touched his knee and he just clipped his foot, which is yeah. just... You know, as nasty as it is, it's the right thing to do. De Bruyne is about, you know, he can do anything with the ball to or what he wants to. So you have to stop him at all costs. It was a yellow card and it was used perfect. I see in the challenge with Alan, it's a totally different challenge. Alan's like scissored and he's gone down and he's get caught his ankle and his other legs followed through. Mm. You know, for me, the difference in tripping is it's a trip. He's trying to just trip him and stop mm. him. If I see that Alan I'm like, he's actually trying to hurt him, he's going he's to do it. Dun- 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 so There's yeah. just totally totally they're not even like for me personally, it's not even a debate. I've done both tackles and I know what I was trying to do on one and what I was trying to do in another.
0: Yeah, I, I I have to be honest, I said the exact same thing to, to my cousin this morning when we were talking about it. I actually had my leg broke from a scissor tackle. So you know as well as I do when you do that scissor motion. There's only one thing in yeah. your mind. Alan went in, studs up and his motion yeah. and out of control. I actually don't think you can combine a worse set of things when making no. a tackle, no. whereas Kieran, Kieran Trippier, I don't think he was out of control. I think he was in full control. His studs went up and he's clipped yeah. his heel. Now, I think it is a yellow card. It's great to see VAR actually for once... Empower the referee. The referee made the right decision. We've been very vocal about it being an absolute shit show um, over over recent times. And there still is a conversation around the quality of referees and how they're implementing the rules. That's maybe for another day. But in this particular instance, I actually thought it was used perfectly. Sense prevails. It, It was the right decision. I do think, though, and Carragher put out a tweet Uh, which obviously divided opinion on social media about the Trippier tackle. And he was trying to say that there's going to have to be a conversation around whether those type of tackles generally become a red card because there is only one thing in your mind and it's, I'm stopping the attack, I don't care about the ball. You're ultimately taking the man out. Do you think that's fair, I suppose, in terms of where the game is going or do you think that that should just be a yellow card? It's just a yellow card, you know.
1: We we speak quite often about the dark arts of football. You know, you, how many times it's just, for me, you stopped them it, but it's 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 similar in an unsimilar way. If you get what I mean? It's like if you're just running, you block someone's run with your body, and you just give it. oh, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're just stopping the momentum of of the, you're stopping the game. You are stopping the flow of the game. Yeah. So I don't think you know. The, I'm not one of them, but you know what I'm like, mate. I just they think, it. let's stop all the stupid rule changes of the game. It is what it is. Trippy is one. You stop on the floor of the game. It's a yellow card. There's nothing malicious in it. He's not intending to hurt the player. He's just tripping them up to say, yeah, unlucky. Crack yeah. on now, we'll defend. It's exactly the same as a block where you block a runner. Um, You know, the, the Allen one was, it's a fucking bad tackle. You know, as you say, them scissors break legs.
0: There's, there's one thing I want to bring up, right, and I don't know if it's just me thinking this, but you mentioned the Leeds versus Chelsea game before, and I was really impressed with Leeds, they seem to be a club now that are buying into what the manager is trying to do, um, for, for anyone that's new to the podcast, if you go back to some of our older episodes, um, we had a good friend of ours, Christy Holly, who was on with us over the years, and he spent a lot of time with Jesse March, and he said he was elite he said he was absolutely brilliant in his his planning his application he said he, he had a lot of time for him he's a genuine top guy so um and Christie wouldn't say that if it wasn't true so I'm not surprised to see maybe the, the players now starting to buy into what he's trying to do but one thing I suppose that, that struck me off the back of that game was two come out after the game oh. he started having a bit of a bit of a moan now and he's basically been saying now um the result was impacted by the fact that the, the the coaches were only able to travel by coach. And That's mate, brilliant. what what is what's going on with people here? Mate, like, honestly, shut up and get on with the game. You're lost. Whether you travel by coach, aeroplane, stop being so bloody mollycoddled and get on with it, you big whinge bag.
1: Well, I was actually taking Jack back to Bailey early early this morning about seven o'clock. Um, and we were listening to TalkSport, and he actually said that. And our, our Jack was like, you know, and I went, is that some sort of piss take? You know, the poor coaches couldn't fly to Leeds. I mean, look, mate, it's, they've had to drive two hours. I mean, <laughs> that's scandalous. I mean, how do coach... like tra-
0: That's like traffic over in Dublin, that me trying well, to get yeah. home from work.
1: <laughs> but, mate, honestly, I'm like, come on, man. He's disappointed me the start of this season. Yeah, to, and I like it. I like him. I love the way his approaches, the way he sets his team, up, the way he tries to play, the way he tries to implement it. But his comments after the Leeds game, I was like,
0: "You, you're a bit of a prick." A bit of a prick, yeah. Yeah, so you I know, do, you yeah. spat your
1: dummy out against uh, Tottenham. You were giving all of the big and when you scored, and when you equalised, you spat your dummy out. And someone after I forgot to mention this, thing, someone actually posted. You know when he says like you, need, you should look in the eyes when you shake hands, and someone posted the picture of him with Sean Dyche when Burnley beat beat uh, Chelsea or drew with chelsea and he's turned he's like that and dice is like you know like what dice is like yeah and he's kind of shook him and he's that way and they were like maybe you should practice what you preach but his comments yesterday were absolutely shambolic why not just come out and just say you know the criticism of klopp gets when he got out of him he was like look we we got away with a point here we'll take a point because we shouldn't have got a point i watched that game and I thought Leeds were absolutely outstanding yeah, totally They yeah. He swamped all over them. You know, they run I messaged you with um, half time in a WhatsApp said they ran six kilometres more in the first half than Chelsea. So yeah. they just you've got a manager there. This this is where I like what he's done. I do like him because he's gone out and he's bought a few players in the transfer market who he who he's played under him and who know his style and implement the way he wants to play. And
0: I think it's had a really good effect on the rest of the squad. Let's be honest, in the first half, I put the tweet out on the social uh, the social media, Leeds ran 6k more than Chelsea in the first half. That's If that's if that's not a team that are bought into something that the manager's selling, then I don't know what is. But then it was 15km more in the whole game. Yeah, I
1: was listening to Tuchel this morning, because they were actually having a problem saying, Tuchel needs to sort his own house out and say, why have we ran 15km less than Leeds United?
0: Well, I mean, I thought it, he was it. outstanding. But this is the thing when it comes back to mentality for me, and I I, I kind of feel like has done this a little bit over the years with, and it's nearly like you're creating a reason for players to have a little bit of a weak mentality in that, like it's always something else to blame. It's always it's never our fault. Why not sit around and be like, like you said there, the desire wasn't there. I actually think. To be fair, this is what Ten Hag is trying to do at United. And he said it after the first couple of games, I've seen clips of the interview that's going to go out tonight ahead of Liverpool United, where he's basically saying, you cannot have situations where teams want it more than Manchester United. And he's called yeah. it out. It wouldn't do Tuchel any harm to be able to say something like that. And it might have a bit of a knock-on effect with the players if he's calling them out for, for things like that.
1: Well, what do you mean?
0: If I had to play it in a game and it's... it's- as
1: teams beat beat me and I, they've run 15 kilometres less, I'd be thinking, "How can I, how's that happened there? You know, what, how can that be? That's a lot, 15 kilometres. That's a hell of a lot. So I'd I like to come out and just say, we were dreadful. But he's, every excuse under the bus come out. To me. And Andy Townsend was talking about it and he just said, it's the most ridiculous excuse I've ever heard. He said, we played some, I think he said, Newcastle away from Southampton or something. He says, on a Friday, it took us nine hours to get there. It's just, but we didn't like say, Oh, we've been on the coach for nine hours used It's like, yeah, it's a different You
0: keep on the coach. Yeah, you exactly keep right on the coach said,
1: or <laughs> I mean, I don't like that. I don't like little petty excuses. Um, you know, just come out and just what I will say is I think that Tottenham, you know, when we would talk about uh, the other week and like it feel like a victory for Tottenham. I think that's been like a kick in the bollocks for Chelsea in the other way, and it's had an effect on them mentally.
0: Yeah, the ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's funny. Um, like when you're looking, I suppose at the the, the standard of the, the league now and some of the results we, we spoke about. Fulham, Forest, they've had some great results. Um, you're looking at Leeds yesterday taking points off Chelsea. Do you think the standard of the league from kind of top four down has gotten better, gotten stronger? And do you think that you'll see more dropped points now? You, you know, the idea of ninety plus seasons. I think we spoke about it on recent podcasts when you're looking at the standard of the league now, do you think there will be more teams taking points off each other?
1: I do. I think it's, a, yeah. I think, you you know, you look right down the league. You can even go as far as Aston Villa, who, you know, spending big money. You know, 25 million, 35 million players. And it's just kind of a standard thing. Arsenal spent big money. Chelsea spent big money. Um, Tottenham spent big money. Uh, the one who was surprised, and they have spent a few quid, and he's, I heard them moaning about it. It's Moise, he spent a few quid, Moise. Yeah, you know, we saw the, the league, s- bottom of the league, no goals, no wins. Uh, and I just think clubs are, are, are spending and the recruitment of every Premier League cl- their club has improving a lot. Um, I think a mid 80s 80, 80, will win the Premier League this season. Yeah. I don't think you'll see the high
0: 90s. See, we, we spoke about this in the past, but it was actually particularly linked to Arsenal. You know, fans clamour for signings, but when your club do put the neck on the line. It's stick or bust then. Because yeah, it is. you know, if, if and I think you're probably seeing this now maybe with Steven Gerrard a little bit in the, the vultures might be circling a little bit there for him. You know, Lampard um, you know, hasn't got off to a great start. David Moyes spent money. You know, with that extra uh, extra money, extra player comes extra expectation and it can uh, it can be a rocky road.
1: Well it is. I mean, I said I say eighty five points. I personally, mid eighties, I think I'd be enough for the Premier League. I think you'll see a record number of seconds this season as well. Really? I do because you know, as you say, like they've all spent big money, you know, all the way through. They've they've all been back to the hilt by there's only Leicester City who's not really they really haven't spent a penny because of that. Yeah. I do think they're in a bit, bit of a shit show at the minute. But you look right the way through, there's been big money spent. to come up and spent big money, Fulham, Fulham have spent. Um, and as you say, mate, that comes with big pressure from the owners above. They're giving you the money, they want, they want, they want to see results and fast
0: few bits i want to finish off on right so uh obviously big game tonight and i'm not gonna lie to you i'm absolutely delighted that it's tonight so uh people yeah. wouldn't have heard me crying on the podcast if uh if liverpool don't get the the win liverpool versus united massive game and um, i don't want to call it a relegation battle but um, i have <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a big game look for, for many reasons Uh, One thing I want to get your steer on before we dive into the football side of things, what have you made of all these fan protests? Because I have to say, from my perspective, look, Man United fans, I understand that they might not be happy with some elements of their ownership, but this ownership has spent a hell of a lot of money. They're going to be unveiling Casemiro, who's getting, I think they've signed for 60 million, 300 grand a week plus. And now they're looking to protest against these owners, get another game against Liverpool potentially called off or impacted in some way, shape or form. It's all a load of shite, if you ask me. If, if, if this game gets called off, Liverpool are well within their rights to demand those three points because it's getting this is getting silly now, no? It's, it's ridiculous. And do you know what? I don't really get... You
1: know, Gary Neville, all as you see about Gary, and he drives me insane. Don't get me started on it. He just drives me insane because every single aspect of Man United's issues is the Glazers' fault. Now, these have spent close to 1.2 billion on transfer fees. I I would absolutely love Liverpool owners who've spent that in the last 10 years. I would in fact, there was an article I was reading before. Manchester United in the last decade under the Glazers and FSG the difference in net spend is 750 million pounds wow. well in the last 10 years and the, it showed you the graph I'll send you the link to the article in a minute I forgot to send it before it was just before we come on and it showed you the graph that like well, obviously man you were up here in Liverpool were here and then the graphs are all over the place with the net spend and where Liverpool are to where Man United are now so what do Man United fans want did he want an owner to come in and say, "We're not spending any money on this team now, but what we're mm. going to do is we're going to you, you're going to have the most fabulous piss in football because we're going to do the toilets up in Old Trafford." <laughs> and we're gonna put I wonder nice where you were going with
0: that one then. <laughs> but this this is
1: all you see from Gary Neville. You know, you know, Old Trafford's this, Old Trafford's that, Old Trafford's this. Well. You're fucking crying that they need investment. You're crying that they need the play. All those Man you do is they go out and they buy the most expensive, what they feel is the best player in in world football. For me, there's no thought process no, on isn't. it. But what, what is it what Man United fans want? Do you want the glazers out? And then the new owner comes in and what do you want him to do? Do you want him to spend money on players, I presume? Yeah.
0: It makes no sense to me. I've seen a few, you know, the the owners don't care about a club. Well, I've got news for you. A lot of these owners don't actually care that much. That And and he said they run it like a business. It is a bloody business. Like you have to start realising. As much as I'm a a football romantic, I love this idea that, you know, FSG go to bed in their Liverpool duvets and PJs and all this, but they don't, lads. They're there to turn a profit. And by putting the right type of structures in place, the right football people in place, the right recruitment in place, Guess what happens? They're more successful on the pitch. Then guess what happens? They make more money. It it all goes together. Man United's biggest problem here is they have thrown loads of money at players and spent it absolutely horrifically. You, Gary Neville did his thing when he was on his soapbox and did this pre-prepared list of pl- players that have been successful. I argued with 90% of that because there was only a handful that were actually successful at Manchester United, majority, I would say 80% of their transfers have worked out horrifically, really yeah. poorly, or have been massively o- underwhelming. And the biggest problem is they've spent a fucking fortune doing it. So they're spending too much on players. They're spending too much on wages. David De Gea is throwing balls into the net and he's the most expensively played goalkeeper. They brought in Henderson, just to give you what two examples, and give him a massive, uh, massive contract. Now they've shipped him out. It is scattergun. And I have to say, Casemiro I actually think is a brilliant player don't get me wrong I think he's brilliant I think he's exactly what United need but he's an older player on massive wages you know good 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 old transfer fee I think you'll get 2 3 seasons out of him but is it a transfer that has been well thought out it's probably no. not based on what you're seeing in the in in the press where you know they're jumping from one player to the other trying to get people through the door the owners need to get football people making football decisions. That's something I think you can throw at them. They've not put the right people in place. They put business people in place and it's not work. But this idea that you need to start protesting because you're not happy that the Glazers aren't football people, give, give me a rest, will you? The entitlements from some United fans, it just it beggars belief. And I say this as a Liverpool fan who was taken nearly... You know, we had Hicks and Gillette. They nearly ran us out of business. Liverpool fans have been through this. Yeah, Liverpool fans have literally been through this process, um, and it's tough and it's horrible. And it's a club that you love and you care about, and there's so much motion wrapped up. But this, these owners are still putting money into the team at record levels. So I don't know, it just it's, it does scream a little it's, bit of entitlement for me. But for me, look, Casemiro's a good sign, but he was a great sign five
1: years ago. Mm. It's 150 million pounds outlay for Man United for this play, yeah. You know, his contract's 90 million, and it's this is it's the most Manchester United sign, and once again it's just it's totally bizarre because he's 30, he's nearly 31. You can say his best days are behind him. That's a fact. Mm. He's not gonna like you know, magic some unbelievable. He, his best days are behind him. He's a good player, he's better than what they've got now by a long way. But he's got a five-year contract, a four-year deal with an extra five one if and the option's his, so he's gonna take that. At 34, 35, he's got another year left of probably 400 grand a week by that stage. It's just like such another Manchester United move, you know, as you say, De Gea. I mean, Josie Mourinho was actually a bit pissed off when he got the new deal, if you remember, because he was was having a fucking nightmare. And it's just, as you say, for me, and this has got nothing to do with rivalry, this is just me as a football person who loves football. I just think Man United fans need to get a fucking grip and some sort of reality. You're a monster, you're still a monster of a club, but your winning days is finished for the time being. It comes in cycles, it'll come again. You'll be a huge club again, winning trophies, the Premier League. It will come again. It always does. But right now, just because you're not winning, put your fucking toys back in the pram and just shut the fuck up and just yeah. hope your team improves on the pitch. That's it. Don't have a go with the you know, the Glazers are putting the right people who they feel. The CEOs are for the right time. And, you know, they've had some top draw managers who still couldn't do it. And, you know, I always go back to when Jose Mourinho was saying, and he said it after the just when the last ball was kicked, he went, finishing second is my greatest, greatest achievement, achievement in football. Yeah, He's remember. fucking right. He knew. He knew. He yeah. knew him.
0: So, uh, looking forward to the game then. What's your what's your predictions for the game? How do you see it panning out? Mate, I'm not looking forward to it. After they've just slaughtered Manchester United. Oh, yeah, you predicted a United win. Mate, I, I think they beat, them beat us. Then.
1: I think they yeah. beat us. I'm just, I do, and it, I've got a horrible feeling about it. I, I have. Liverpool have got into this horrible habit of conceding goals first, mm. and I just think you've got you're going to have a full a full stadium of seventy of thousand at United. The worst thing what could have happened was that four 0 hammering at Brentford for them. You know, people are saying, "Oh, they just not. It's not because you know." One thing as plays and the you know. Listen, they've got top plays and they've got pride and they will want to rectify this. So, I've just got a fear that if they can see if we concede first, they score one nil. The crowds all over them and the players get lifted. And I've got a horrible feel with the injuries we've got as well. And I've just got a feeling mate, we're going to get done here one nil. I
0: have to, I have to say, I, I don't agree. I'm not. not I hope, as... I'm glad you don't. Glad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't agree. I think. um I, I fancy Liverpool tonight. Don't get me wrong. I think the way United could potentially set up, there's always a way home against Liverpool in behind the space in behind Trent. We know that it, you, you can't be in two places at once. He's he's often caught high up, and, and there is definitely an outball. And with United's pace in wide areas, you could definitely see them see them causing us problems there. I think one thing that will help Liverpool is Joe Gomez is due to start tonight. Mm-hmm. And Joe Gomez, it's it's weird. I've got this thing in the back of my mind. As good as Matip and Canate have been when they played. I think Joe Gomez, when he's fully fit, his partnership with Van Dijk was immense for Liverpool. And his recovery pace, he's absolutely rapid. So him covering that space in behind Trent will, will help us. I just... I don't think that there'll be that much of a a knock-on effect with Manchester United in terms of the the bounce back after that game against Brentford. They're still going to try and play a high line. They're still not going to have somebody that can get on the ball and control in midfield. And and I just feel for those reasons, I think they'll give us chances in behind. Um, i I, I like to think that we'll be able to dominate those central areas. And I know this sounds like a really silly, basic thing to say. But I love the big pitch at Old Trafford. In that, yeah. and um, feels feels quite a small pitch, and teams come and condense the space, and there's nowhere for us to operate sometimes. Whereas you'll always find pay, uh, space at Old Trafford, and I just feel, I think the first goal will be key. I think you're right. If Liverpool can kind of stop that rot and get the early goal, I think Man United are a little bit soft at the moment. They're mentally weak, and you could potentially see, you know, a three. Uh, three, four goal swing. If United managed to get that first goal, it could be a really difficult evening for Liverpool. So I'm going to put my neck on the line. I'm going to say Liverpool score first and hopefully win three nil, but I'm fully prepared to be embarrassed by that claim tomorrow. If it all goes wrong. (laughs) Listen, I,
1: I agree with you, I do, but it's just it's just this nagging. You no, know, you just get a horrible little feeling, and I've had yeah. this, I was saying to my mate the other, the other week, and he was like, hey, you fucking wind me up when I've just seen you tweet, I went, mate, I, said, I just <laughs> got this feeling if we concede first against these, they, it's like, and I don't mean this to, you know, because my, disrespect Man my United at all, this is kind of like their World Cup now, their World Cup final. Yeah,
0: it's um, a big
1: game. It is, it is, you know, they're not the team of old, and I just think, if,
0: I've just got a horrible feeling, but Fingers crossed I'm completely wrong. Right, one thing I want to finish on. So we have two uh, two listener questions that were sent in to us over uh, over the course of the week. And I'm going to hold them till next week till Jimmy's back because he loves those type of things, as do we. And I want to get his perspective. So um, for, for Kevin French and, and Biffo1985 who sent in your questions, they will be answered next week. I want to finish uh, on this tank because we're nearly up on the, on the hour. There was a thing that came out uh, during the week uh, it was the BT Sport fan-selected Premier League all-time eleven, and uh, I got into a little bit of back and forth with with a couple of people online. Ooh, you've got yeah. your papers, you've got it written down. Uh, for those that haven't seen it, so obviously this is fan-selected. Um, I think there was over two hundred thousand votes that came on uh, came through on Twitter. The team was four-three-three formation: Peter Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Van Dyke, Ashley Cole. Vieira, Gerrard and De Bruyne at some midfield. And then up front, Mo Salah, Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. I want to get your reaction to that team and see where does yours differ?
1: Not too far off that. Yeah. I'll name my team now if you want. Yeah, go on. Schmeichel in goal. Yeah. Trent Arnold right back.
0: I feel like there should be some music on or something in the background. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Maybe I can edit that in. Do you want me to <laughs> rattle one of the Primark bags? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That'll do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Trent Arnold, right back. Okay. I just think I just look. Gary Neville, great player. Don't get me wrong. This lads redefined the the right back, and there's no. Num- He's won everything, yeah. so we can't throw it out of them. And there's numbers don't like. He's people say he can't defend. He's been part of one of the best defenses in Europe for the past five seasons. So. He can defend Van Dyke, Rio, Ashley Cole, Kevin De Bruyne, Roy Keane, Stephen Gerrard, Thierry Henry, Alan Shearer. And I'm torn here, mate. It's oh. fucking, I can't split them. Suarez and Salah. Yeah. I just a, can't split them. Yeah.
0: yeah it's, a, it's a funny way because I, I went through the same and mine would be, my thought process would be similar to yours. I, I know what you mean on Gary Neville. Um, he's been part of he was solid, he was a very solid fullback, part of a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Manchester United team or teams over the years. I know what you mean about Trent is what he offers offensively going forward. I don't think we've seen the likes of at fullback to be to be brutally honest. I do get the questions around his ability to defend, and, and whilst I think it's more of a system issue in, in what Klopp is asking him to do, like we've seen him have great games. Or see, it's funny. Who was it that played for Brentford? There, Uh, you know, Mitrovic coming in at the back post, got up early, scored a pretty much identical header. Like you get these things happen. Rhys James makes mistakes defensively all the time, and nobody talks about it because it's not going to get the 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 traction online like a Trent Alexander Arnold would. It's a brave call to put him in. If I'm being brutally honest now, I'd probably not put him in yet because the longevity of a Gary Neville. I feel still probably hasn't, but I think there's definite, you know, we re- revisit this in, in five years' time. It could be. You, you be revisit this in
1: five years' time. Trent's still only
0: 27 in five years' time. Yeah, that's mad when you think about it. Yeah. The kid's been doing it for five years. He's 22. Yeah. So I change it. So I was, I understand that the Ferdinand thing. I think I'd actually go John Terry i'd have john terry with virgil van dyke um and the reason why just personal preference i thought john terry was properly there I think his his distribution was um, very very was so good, underrated, so so underrated. Like he could yeah. really ping a ball. Absolutely, I think he could defend the edge of his box. He was good in the air. Um, his he positionally he was he was excellent. Uh, yeah, for me, I'd go John Terry and Van Dijk because you imagine being a striker yeah. coming up against those two, you're just like, yeah. where's me where's me chance yeah. coming from? Ashley Cole, I agree with you completely. Um, the midfield was the one for me where I Roy Keane. Is although the Man United connection, he was one of my heroes. He yeah. has to be in there and would Absolutely. be captain. Um I would probably go Steven Gerrard, Roy Keane, and Patrick Vieira. I'd go the three of them because I just the thought I wouldn't pick the Bruyne as good as as good as the Bruyne is. I think you could get Stephen Gerrard doing similar with the freedom yeah. he would be afforded by the likes of a Roy Keane and, and Patrick Vieira. So I'd, I'd have them three. Can you imagine playing against? Well, oh. you did. <laughs> Those yeah. horrible three in midfield, yeah. You'd have no, you have nightmares. Do
1: you know when you think about it? Can you imagine Gerard Vieira and oh. Keane in the midfield? I mean, you might teams are just, just got, give up.
0: Yeah, fucking, yeah. To
1: take the points, take the points.
0: So, uh, and uh, then yeah. yeah, up front, Henri Shearer, and you like you've got to go Salah. I understand what you're saying. For me, Suarez still holds that title in my head of the most gifted footballer I've ever seen play for Liverpool. He did things that were inexplainable, inexplainable. Yeah. But the numbers, the salary has been putting up, not only in goals, Enough. but yeah. his assists. I've, I've I've, got to go with those three. But it was interesting to see that there wasn't a huge amount of surprise with that team because you know with social media, yeah. mad things can happen. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, disappointed not to get a shout, you think? Paul Scholes, Lampard? Lampard. <sighs>
1: Ronaldo was young when he was in the Premier League and, you know, he he had two very, very strong seasons, don't get me wrong. I mean, look, it wouldn't even be a debate, would it, if he he was at Man U for another four or five years, he'd have broke every record in the Premier League history. So it's not even a debate, but for me, when I look at Ronaldo, he had two unbelievable seasons at Man United and then went to Real Madrid. So, yeah, I just think one... Thierry Henry has to be in there, has yeah. to be. Two Alan Shearer played against him the most complete. He had everything. He was just a freak. Still owes the record goal scorer. And Salah's numbers. They are his numbers. And SWAT as you say, I'd probably go Salah with you just because Suarez, you know, we've three seasons or whatever, but you know I'm going on Ronaldo. I don't think you can get in the, the greatest ever Premier League side on the basis of two unreal seasons.
0: So I don't know why I've got. I'm going to give this example. It could actually fall flat on his face. I'd see Suarez as like some really hot bird that you were just, but just with for a <laughs> couple of weeks. So she was like a holiday roaming, romance. Come in, blew your mind for a couple of weeks and then disappeared. Uh, Whereas you know you're looking at Mo Salah, solid, steady, consistent. There is that. That's the person you want to make your wife. You know you've got to yeah. see your life together. That's, <laughs> see where I'm going with that yeah. one, mate. <laughs> yeah. But you'll always remember Luis Suarez. Uh, who would be your captain? Just to finish, who would be your captain?
1: Without a shadow for a doubt, right, Keane. Kino, yeah. Not the even. He's got to be. You just used to fucking hell. You just have played when I played against him. And I remember I made my debut for Leicester at Old Trafford in um in the cup game. I come on a sub and I went left wing. And I was actually giving Gary Neville a bit of a fucking tough time. And Keane actually come across him unless you smash him. And I was like, What the fuck's he on about? And the next minute he's hit me, and I'm like, fuck. And he, he was—he was that guy. He was like, "You do your job, and then if you didn't, he'll do your job, I'll and then he'll rip you. your foot, he'll rip your fucking head off, and tell you." Yeah. And I just, for me, the greatest centre midfield player of yeah. the, of this generation. You know, Gerard and all that are different, but he, he you want to go to war, he's the man in the middle.
0: He knows your man, yeah. right? Tank, uh, have a great trip, mate. How long are you away for? Only four days
1: mate to go tomorrow where he does little lad he's four on the 27th Frankie so just get him we're not going away this year I told you with the Jack situation at Burnley so um, yeah we're just going to take him for four days for his birthday so be back Friday night I think it is
0: Good man so you're not missing the podcast you'll be back with us next week I'll be in Monday mate yep love it brilliant right everybody thank you very much for listening as always if you wouldn't mind sending us in your feedback um, and follow the YouTube channel if you haven't already Uh, we've seen some unbelievable engagements over the last couple of weeks which we absolutely love from fans from all clubs Uh, we've obviously seen a rise in in Forest fans as you can imagine with Tank's connection but we want this to be a podcast for all football fans so if you haven't checked us out on YouTube please do so subscribe leave us comments under the video send us feedback on the the podcast itself Uh, but most importantly we hope that you all have a fantastic week enjoy the rest of your week stay happy stay healthy and we will be back with you again next week on the Boot Room podcast. All the best. Cheers, Pope.